Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. I need someone. Help. While I have long held the Beatles to be one of the most overrated bands of all time, this iconic song and its enduring popularity certainly underscore the universality of this idea of help and how we all need it sometimes. To be honest, I'm not really sure why. It could be a matter of cultural oversaturation, or I may be repulsed by their rabid fans, but I've long held that John Lennon in particular is wildly overrated since the first time I heard his music. I just don't think we need any more painfully hypocritical artists full of lofty rhetoric who, while talented and hardworking, owe most of their success to being at the right place at the right time and catching a cultural gust of wind that they barely deserved. Well, he's dead now, so who cares, I guess? Anyway, today we dive into the subject of help, how to communicate it, and how to receive it in today's episode of Explorations with Leslie Tanner. Hello everyone and welcome back to Explorations with Leslie Tanner. I'm your host Leslie Tanner and I cannot overstate how much of a treat it is to be back with you, my listeners. The past couple months have been quite a journey for Leslie. In case you were not paying attention, I have been homeless for about two months. I largely lived in the park, um, but I did stay at St. Pete's in the basement um, and I also split some time at Miss Waltech. She put me up Uh, periodically in exchange for doing some chores around her filthy house Um, and you know it's if I may be honest and just speak freely with you for a moment it was a very trying time but not without its own lessons Um, learning again to just experience the world around me both good but mostly bad it has been uh, a, a more potent reminder of what the world is like I cannot think of Uh, when you are not sure of your safety and where you are staying and you don't have a lot of uh, food security and are left up to the elements um, you 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 learn a lot about how the mind works how the mind adapts how the mind relates to the world around it and goodness gracious did I learn quite a bit it's certainly taken me back to the fundamentals of what we talk about every week here on exploration so I'm excited to get into these lessons with you in the coming weeks and months I've learned so much and and I'm excited to hear about you and how you all have been doing I am in a home again uh, I, it took me some time to get in touch with some resources here in town to find me an apartment um, I am in an apartment it is not quite as nice as the one I was in before, but, you know, here we are. I've got a roof over my head. I've got electricity. I can turn on the lights. Things have been worse, and I'm looking forward to a uh, bright horizon with all of us together here on Explorations. Today, we're going to start off with something that I have had a little experience with over the past couple weeks. Help. How to communicate that you need it and how to receive it. Talk about a dense forest of confusing impulses. 
I have paid very close attention to the process through which I conducted myself in receiving this help and also communicated that I needed the help in the first place. So I am excited to share this first lesson of the past couple months with you. Um, But before we do, I'd like to take care of a point of business this week's sponsor. So folks, there's no time like the present if you're looking to have your team's name ironed onto some shirts. Red shirts, blue shirts, green shirts, yellow shirts, whatever color of the rainbow you want or can imagine. Our sports shop downtown, that's a slam dunk, is waiting to meet your needs. I stopped by the store this past week to check out the operation, and although it is empty and arguably uninviting, it is actually a thriving local business. As I'm sure most of you have passed and noticed, the sales floor, or what would normally be the sales floor, is very empty except for the well-loved carpet and some piles of shirts behind the counter in the back. I talked to Tim, who runs the store, if there was anything else he wanted me to tell my listeners about the services he offers or why his large store was so empty. And he says, I don't want or need a bunch of nonsense. I've got everything I need. Let me put letters and numbers on your shirts without being hassled. Would it make my letters or shirts better if I had a bunch of big signs or racks of trash no one wants? No. You want shirts? I'll give you shirts. Otherwise, please leave because life isn't a goddamn beauty pageant. Fuck off. Just run the ad and get fucked, you thin, frail bitch. Which I think we can all take with a little bit of a sense of dark humor. So if you need some letters or numbers on shirts, Tim it, that's a slam dunk, right downtown on Washington Ave is waiting to help you. Please don't hesitate to give him a call or make a stop in the largely vacant but still very open business. Thanks so much for your support, Tim. So what's been going on with me lately? Hmm, well... In the intro right up top, I alluded to what had been happening with me lately. Uh, I had been homeless for the past couple months, but I am in an apartment now. It is uh, is fine. It is fine. Um, Moving into an apartment is always a new adventure, uh, full of its own unique little twists and turns. I moved in and I found some cockroaches, some mice, uh, both alive and dead. Um, Hopefully, you know, we're going to get that taken care of. I'm... Just waiting for a reply back from my landlord on that aspect. Um, also, it's it's a noisy building, which, you know, again, everyone has their own preferences. I prefer a little bit more quiet than what has been happening in the middle of the night. There's, a, I think, a resident or someone snuck into the building who uh, walked up and down the hallway and started just kicking the walls. Um, and it was confusing to me because <laughs> it woke me up and um, I'm a light sleeper, so uh, I just waited I waited it out. It's fine. Um, hopefully, you know, that was just a one-off thing. Maybe somebody was having a bad day. And if you are out there and you uh, you know that this was you and you know that you recognize me from around town, go ahead and reach out. I'd love to talk about what's going on with you. Um, maybe we could settle something. And maybe work out an arrangement where you aren't screaming and kicking the walls uh, in the middle of the night, during the week, and on the weekends. Um, so, um that's it, you know, just moving. I, I also, I moved out of Ms. Waltech's place. That was a, a mainstay for me. And from a distance, that woman is, you know, enigmatic and charming. A fine friend, you know, to meet up with once a week or less. 
Um, however, she is she is a difficult woman, and should and should live alone. Just to give you a little brief example of the hell that it is living with Ms. Waltech, um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and she would demand that I clean something. She would state that we had a, we had an exchange where I would I would help clean around the house in exchange for her allowing me to stay in her home. But she would claim that I didn't clean anything that day, so she'd wake me up in the middle of the night um, and demand that I clean something. And basically what she would do is pour out a Kool-Aid and have me clean it up on all fours while she watched. And she'd do it, and she'd just laugh and snicker, and I'd look at her, uh, thinking that I could be in on the joke, that I could laugh with her. But uh, every time she saw me look at her, her face would turn to a a mean, spiteful scowl, and, and and demand that I clean more thoroughly, and that I'm not taking her seriously, that I'm disrespecting her home, that I that I'm ungrateful, which I am anything but. Um, so. She would knock something else over, and she'd demand that I clean it up. And when I would refuse to do it, she'd scream at me. So I'd sleep outside, but then eventually she would fall asleep or get distracted. I would come back inside, um, and then she would act like none of that had happened in the first place. So, Ms. Waltech, handful. Um, we're probably not going to be talking for a while. I wish her all the best. Maybe things will be different once the dust settles from that. It's it's tough to it's tough to see a friend go that way, but also, god dang it. Not a pleasant person. Uh, anyway, so yeah, excited for this new chapter. I'm excited to be in a new spot, settle in, make it my own. If anybody has any decorating tips, you know, please reach out. Decorating is not my strong suit, so any uh, tips and tricks you have accrued along the way, please <laughs> throw them my way so I don't uh, just live in a sad little bachelor pad. Ah. <laughs> uh. So let's get into it. How to ask for help. First of all, I just want to apologize for the immediate, direct, emotional nature of this lesson for me, this episode. I am freshly coming out of this bout of homelessness and and the subject of help, both asking for and receiving it, um, is still very fresh because it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, admitting that you are vulnerable, admitting that you need something that you don't have, that someone else has to give you. And at the most vulnerable, we may not have anything to give in exchange for that thing. And before I get into the tips and tricks that I got over the past couple of months, I want to send a a genuine heartfelt thank you to anyone that helped me over the past couple months. Um, Father Ted at St. Pete's, uh, you were clutch in allowing me to sleep in the basement a couple times. Um, Ms. Waltech, I know you're not listening to the show right now for sure, but be that as it may, on the off chance that you are listening, I do want to thank you for putting a roof over my head when you did. Regardless of the rash on my thighs that I got from sleeping on your couch. It is it is only on my thighs. I'm not sure why. Whatever dust mite or bugs you have that bit my thighs stayed on my thighs. That's where the rash is. So, Ms. Waldegon, chance that you are listening to this, please clean your couch. I was going to do it before I left, but you kicked me out. So, good luck to you. Um, no, no hard feelings, but 
get your couch cleaned. I would also like to thank Glenn, my social worker, for getting me in contact with a property management company uh, that is uh, scrutable and trustworthy. So y'all, you you help put a roof over my head and the electricity on in my apartment, and I can't thank you enough. And also to all the friends that I made that are out there also sleeping outside, thank you for your companionship, for your advice, for letting me know when there was free hot dogs at various churches. Um, thank you for everything. So let's get into it. How to ask for help. Gang, face it. There are going to be times when you need help. And there are going to be times when you need to ask for help. You're not going to be able to just wait it out. You need something that you don't have. A resource, time, energy, skills, just another set of eyes on a project that you're working on. You will need something to be given to you without anything in exchange. And the first step of how to ask for help was realizing that you need help. It is crucial to admit to yourself that you need it. And this is the hardest part of the process, admittedly. Admit to yourself that there is something wrong. Secondly, be quiet about it. Don't tell anyone that you need help. Keep it as quiet as possible. There will be times where you make eye contact with someone, you might be conversing with them for a few moments, and you will feel a, a moment come up that you could share that you need help. Because they might be able to give you that help or connect you to someone that can give you the help that you need. However, it is important that you keep it quiet for as long as possible. The reasons why is because direct asking for help is immediately burdensome to the person that you would be asking. Nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear pleasant things. They have their own problems. Your problems are much smaller in comparison to theirs. Most likely, admit to yourself that something is wrong, but do not share that with anyone directly. Keep that to yourself. It will only cause problems and complicate the process of receiving help later on. Next step would be to move around as if you're overwhelmed or in a hurry at work or at home or during leisure time, during a book club or whatever, but still don't say anything. You need help. There's something wrong. There's something missing. You're looking for something. There's a sense of urgency that is inexplicable to the outside world, even though you understand on some level exactly what it is coming from. This restlessness can be communicated to others through just seeming constantly overwhelmed and in a hurry. Once again, do not share verbally that you need any help. Do not share this with anyone because it will be immediately burdensome to that person and you will be cut off from what could be your only avenue for help. So, it's important to communicate in more indirect ways. Act overwhelmed by the simplest things. Are you just filling a glass of water and walking back to your desk? Act as if someone is timing you and someone is threatening to take away your shoes if you don't complete that simple task in enough time. The weight of the world should be on your shoulders at every moment. And that's how people will understand that there is something wrong. Make simple things sound like a bigger deal than they are. 
Again, this is another great way to indirectly communicate that you need help. So let's say um, you missed the bus. A relatively normal thing that people understand and everyone experiences at some point. However, it is not normal for you because everything is wrong. So you missing the bus is nearly walking off the edge of a cliff and no one is helping you. Or let's say um, when someone asks you how you're doing outside of work at a cigarette break, maybe tell a long-winded story about your hangnail, about how it hurts, how, how the history of your family comes with a genetic history of fragile nail beds, of how it's actually been a plague since you were very little and that no one really took it seriously and that no one will understand what it's like to have weak nail beds or fragile skin. People will understand the pieces of what you are giving them and place them together. It takes a long time to ask for help, but it is a process worth investing in. That brings us to our next point, a little more nuanced step, but be needy to others for smaller worries than the thing that you're actually worried about. So, for example, let's use the the hangnail and the weak nail beds. Um, Be needy to others. Constantly ask them for advice for creams. Never let it go. Make it so that when they ask you how you're doing, they nearly regret asking you because you need something so badly. This is another great indirect way to communicate that you need help without ever saying it. And again, if you say it, it will cause so much stress on those relationships. So again, keep it inside, keep it tucked away, and keep following these steps. And so when it comes to being needy, it's important to be constant with it. Find new inventive ways to be needy. Um, If you need a fork at, at a meal, make sure that you're asking the people around you. Let's say you even have a fork. Uh, knock it on the ground. And, oh, you know, what are you going to do? You don't have a fork. Ask the people around you if you can borrow their fork. If they say no, ask if you can borrow it when they're done and wait for them to finish eating. Um, It's important that they feel the need, though. It's a constant thing, and that's how we communicate about the help. Next, if you're in a position of authority... Resent those for whom you are responsible, especially when they need help. It's important that people that rely on you know how difficult your life is and how privileged they are for having less of a hard time. If someone from your book club asks you for a ride, make sure that they know that your fingers are bleeding because of your weak nail beds and that you've been trying to get to the doctor, but the doctor appointments are are constantly being delayed and pushed back and there are complications with your insurance. Say this to them as soon as they ask for it. And when you do pick them up in your car, do not say anything to them. Act as if they are a burden because they are. And this goes, if you're not in a position of authority, resent those that need help around you. It's important that they understand also that it is a competition for sources of help. Make them feel as if they are going one-on-one with a Larry Bird or Pistol Pete Maravich and they're about to be slam dunked on in terms of the race and battle for help. They do not need help as much as you. And while you may never say that verbally, it's important that they feel that in the subtext of nearly every action, word, and the lack of any action of word that you share with them. So, 
Now, you might be thinking, wow, these are negative things to be sharing with others. Uh, won't they just start resenting me? Uh, excellent point. So, the next step is actually practice smiling no matter what. It's important to keep people on their toes as to what to expect from you. If it's only negative, if it's only needy, then they will come to expect a pattern and might zone you out. But in order to keep relaying this message of indirectly asking for help, it's important to keep people guessing and be as bright and cheery as a newborn squirrel, hip-hopping around, filling their cheeks with nuts and gathering berries for the harvest. Um, it's important to do that so that they keep talking to you, basically. Uh, so you can keep communicating in these indirect ways that you still need help for a problem you have not articulated yet. So, let's go ahead. Let's put a cap on it, everyone. Finally, save all the feelings you don't know how to handle for a singular explosive moment every six months or so. Those that care will be watching because you've been keeping them on their toes and they know that something is vaguely wrong. But explode. And those that are watching and those that are caring will know. And that is how we do it. We explode. We melt down. We have a breakdown in front of others, whether it's sobbing or rage, whether it's punching a hole in the wall or forgetting your kids at a soccer practice. It's important that these meltdowns are complete and that now you are able to directly communicate what is wrong, what has been wrong this whole time. You will have kneaded the dough of their listening ears, and they will be all soft, large elephant ears waiting for the knowledge that you will give them about what is wrong with you. What is wrong? Tell me, and you can tell them at this time. Now this process, I'm not going to lie, takes a while. It is not easy. However, it is so much better than the burden of asking for help when you need it. That has been shown by study after study to be the most ineffective way to receive help. Communicating that you need help is tricky, and people will probably think you're needy or helpless for asking for help unless it's done very carefully and almost never. So keep a recording of this of this conversation with you by your bedside listen to it before you go to bed um, listen to it when you wake up or just save it for a rainy day when you know that something's wrong um, or write a letter into the studio and I'd love to get into what this process might look like for you I'd love to hear about your journey So next up on the show, we have my favorite segment where we answer questions from the listeners, from you, in a segment I like to call Inquiries from the Edge. It's great to be back with you, listeners. i got to say that right off the bat. It's great to hear from you. I am so excited. I am about to burst with excitement to hear about how you've been. So this week's letter comes from George P. from Indianapolis, Indiana. George P. writes, I need advice and I'm not sure who I can turn to. For the past two years, I've been at what I thought would be my dream job. My boss is always finding ways to pick on me or humiliate me in the office. He turns off the lights when I'm in the bathroom. He is constantly making comments about my appearance and he never has anything nice to say about my work. About once a month, and sometimes twice, he eats my brown bag lunch and pretends it was a mistake, and then gives me his lunch, which is always a smooshed PB&J. 
He's completely singled me out for this treatment. What makes it worse is that he is well-respected in the office, and everyone laughs with him, including our HR, Susan, who, by the way, is not as nice as she pretends to be in her emails with her custom flower borders. When I've pointed it out to him before, usually as part of a joke, he insists that it's all in good fun and that I'm a good sport. But to be honest with you, Leslie, I am at my wit's end. I can't tell my wife because we have a newborn baby and I don't want to worry her. But I lay awake at night with dark fantasies of coming into the office one day and exploding and telling him, you're no string bean either, Bill. Despite everything, I feel guilty for having such mean, terrible, and twisted thoughts. What can I do to make him respect me more? Well, George, I'm going to say right off the bat, is a pretty simple answer to all of this. Firstly, you don't want this person's respect. He is a mean, spiteful person who has singled out someone uh, that he thinks is weaker than him. That who's to, in order to make him feel like a strong alpha, king of the jungle, head of the pack. Um, and this person is weak. This person has work to do on himself. But in the immediacy, he is making your life worse, and you are my listener. And I am filled with the rage of a papa bear right now. And I, I wish I could go tell him myself and, and clear the air for you. But, be that as it may, you are in Indianapolis, which is a far drive from here, and it would probably be inappropriate for me to do so. So, as it stands, his respect is not worth anything. It is trash. Um, so go ahead and allow yourself the release from the idea of his respect, because even if you had it, it wouldn't be worth anything. All those people that walk around your office have his respect. It's not even real, because he's a turd. <sighs> I apologize for being so aggressive towards this person I don't even know. I'm sure he is on his own journey and could use a lot of help, but that's not important to me right now. You're important to me, George. Secondly, I'm going to solve this problem real fast for you here. Uh, I noticed one thing that you wrote, you're no string bean either, Bill. First of all, that would be hilarious to say to him in real life. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall and watch you go in there and gritting your teeth and everyone's afraid and you'll explode and say you're no string bean either, Bill. I might I might laugh so hard that I'd pee in my pants, what I haven't done since I was little. But I am uh, I'm excited for that moment if it ever does come. However, it probably won't, and that's okay. Um, because in that statement, you're no string bean either, Bill. He is a fat man, I take it, right? He's a large boy. And, um, and there is our solution. In the next couple of years, he's probably going to die of a heart attack or stroke, maybe at work. And all you need to do is wait. You have a dream job, George, and I want you to hold on to that because that's what you care about. And you are just embroiled in a waiting game. At some point, that guy's just going to have too much pork fat running through his veins, and he will meet the end. The end that we all fear, the end that we all know is there, but he is going to meet that end sooner than any of us because he is overweight, doesn't take care of his body. So just wait it out, George. Give it a couple years. If it's still a problem, come to me and we'll talk. We'll reformulate a plan. George, thank you so much for writing in and letting us use your experience and your journey as a way to learn about the fabric of reality around us and find solutions therein. Thank you so much, George. So that about does it for this week. Listeners, I cannot tell you how overjoyed I am to be back with you to share my journey and to hear about yours and 
and find solutions and unlock all of our potentials uh, as we go along. So, listeners, before I leave you for next week, um, I want you to think about how often you drink water. You're probably thinking that you're tired because you don't drink water, or you're not thinking clearly because you don't drink water. I want you to make a list of other stuff that tastes better than water that you can also drink. So, excited to talk about that next week. Uh, Go ahead and write me in if you have any questions, but otherwise, I'm going to leave you right there. Namaste, listeners. I'll see you next time.